Welcome to Listen With Your Eyes, the show that is heard, not seen. I'm your host, the blind guy, Callum Brennan, and on this podcast, we'll be discussing what it's like to live with a disability. Let's get started. Today, I'm once again joined by Paige. Welcome back. Hi. Hey, uh, I guess it might be to any new listeners, they may have not heard the first episode we did, but if you can, please go back and listen to it. Uh, it was, I don't remember the exact number, but it was, it was in the teens, I can tell you that, I think. So, uh, but I guess to bring up people up to speed, in case they don't know, Paige, you are totally blind yes yep and uh can you confirm if you were born that way uh so i was born visually impaired uh but i lost sorry excuse my doorbell um uh, yeah i was born visually impaired and i uh had lost all my vision by the time i was 11 that, that's fair enough and so like was the case for many guests I've had on, like you and I uh, met at the Royal National College for the Blind. Yeah, we did. Uh, and uh, recently, as we discussed on that episode, we were living in the same city, yep, being in Southampton, uh, down the south coast. Uh, however, you have recently moved. Yep, I'm now up in Blyth, which is in Northumberland. Um, it's about half an hour, 40 minutes from Newcastle. Yeah. And that's with your fiancé? Yeah, with Kieran, who's on uh, a few episodes after me, I think it was. Uh, and again, you did an audio description. Yes, uh, I was going to say. With him as well. Yeah, I think um, one of the earliest episodes we did was with Kieran and then as you said we ha- he came back to do a audio description centric uh, episode yes. as both him very and I are very yeah both him <laughs> and I are very passionate about it so yes. we've been uh, very angry lately with the most recent Google boxes it's not very happy with channel 4 because Google box hasn't been having audio description on the day that it's been uh, aired but on the repeat the following week it does have audio description so I'm not very happy about that that's fair. I mean, from my point of view, you know, I have no interest in Gogglebox, so no loss to <laughs> me. But you know that if if it was uh, if they were doing it prior and now they're not, then yeah, I can very much understand the problem there. Certainly. So, has was it always the intention to move up? To the northeast, where to where Kieran's from. Um, to be honest, I'm not really sure whether we planned it that way or not. Um, we always said very early on that we planned to live together and things. Um, but he, well, basically, he got a good job, um, mm-hmm. and I couldn't ask him to leave that. Um, and we're sure been together six and a bit years now so 
it was about time we lived together. Um, so I had to move, <laughs> really. Um, That's fair. I mean, I think especially in the current times, for anyone, it's probably not the best idea to leave a secure job. No. And I think no, there's... And it's, it's a good job. He's happy there, so... Exactly. I wouldn't, you know... And I'd say that thought it goes sort of doubles when you're a disabled person, to be honest. Yes, definitely. Because uh, as has been discussed in multiple episodes on this podcast, as a disabled person and specifically a blind person, in the case of many guests, it's uh, not the easiest thing to get a job sometimes. No, well, I've applied for got to be hundreds by now and I'm still unemployed after having quite a lot of interviews so yeah either I'm uh, doing something terribly wrong or uh, yeah I'm one that... of those uh, blind statistics luckily yes yeah one of the many unfortunately and uh, yeah no it's something that I remember all too well and even now like yeah I'm fortunate that I have part time work but it is sometimes you can't help but wonder if things would be different if I was fully abled. Oh yeah, just one of those things you have to try not to uh, dwell on, otherwise you'd be going down quite a deep hole, which unfortunately quite a lot of people do. Yes. So, uh, at the time of recording, uh, you've been with living with Kieran. What? Like a month and a half, roughly? Uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. And, I mean, how are you finding it? Because it's the two of you living together, right? And uh, Yeah, we're living for... in a, a little flat. Yeah. Um, very nice. And for those who are Independence-wise, we're uh, doing quite well. We're both uh, totally blind, so yeah. um, a lot of added fun there. We haven't got a little bit of sight from one of us to uh, clear up after the other one, so... Mm. <laughs> Um, but I haven't had any complaints from his parents yet, so we must be uh, keeping it relatively tidy. Um, we've been, obviously, independently preparing our meals and things. Um, nothing too complicated yet, mostly oven food, um, a few kind of um, curries, you know, chicken uh, and sauce in a pan. Sure. Stir for a while and hopefully... We've cooked it through. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I think um, Kieran's always been a more confident person than I have independence-wise, or he always seems to be anyway. Um, but I think um, having the background of the Royal National College for the Blind, although for me now it's seven years since I was there, I think having that, um, having had that time, of learning independent skills is very beneficial now um, because although I didn't use it as much when I was back at home with my family um, I think it all it does all come back to you um, when you're having to do it for yourself day to day and when you haven't got any other choice um, yeah and a lot of what I was taught there especially kitchen wise I think has come back to me um, but I think I think it is a bit of trial and error, to be honest. You, you know, if you were 
don't like what you've made, then you know next time you've got to do it a bit differently. Luckily, neither of us have uh, had any kind of food poisoning yet, so we must be doing just about okay. No, I mean, well, yeah, it's always a good way to <laughs> judge one's cooking abilities is, you know, if neither of you have been ill yet. I think, no, not yet. I think that's fair to say for anyone, abled or not. But it's interesting that you mention being at RNC and what you learn. And despite it being a few years, you still think it's been, you know, you've found it quite, the foundation is still there. Yeah, I think so. The whole, I guess, it's the old saying is of, uh, you know, it's like riding a bike, you never forget. Sort yes, of thing. yeah, definitely, definitely goes to that. Yeah. But I mean, it is uh, quite a change for you, I think it's fair to say, after like six, seven years, well, six to seven years of being back with your family, where it's, isn't it, it's both your parents and you say you've got a younger sister, correct? Uh, yeah, so it was my mum, her partner, and my sister. Oh, your own partner, okay. Yeah, so in that situation, you know, so a house of four where everyone around you is fully abled, uh, it's quite a change, some may say, I mean, to go from that to, granted, not living on your own, but again, living with, uh, you know, your partner, Kieran, who's also fully blind have you and you you sort of went into it there but like did you have you you have found the transition okay you haven't found it too much of a struggle yeah i think so um i mean obviously at home my mum was just being a mum she did everything around the house obviously we tried to help her out um but quite a lot of the time i think you just get in the way disabled or not disabled as your parents' child are just in the way, just let them get on with it. Um, I'm sure probably a lot of people will relate to that. Um, but I think, again, going back to being at college, I think it prepares you quite well. Um, gives you, you know, warning of what it's going to be like, although you do have the safety net of the... Um, residential staff there you mm-hmm. know um, I think it is, it is a fair warning of what you're going to get um, but yeah, yeah I, I think if I'd have transitioned straight from college to independent living it would have been better I think I'd have been much more uh, confident but I, I think I've done better than I thought it was going to that's fair is that and again I think we may have brought this up in our previous episode but what was the reason for you not going into independent living after leaving RNC um well there was a couple um the college at the time were very keen for me to go to university which obviously then I would have been in residential living again um I didn't want to go to university um I don't think I was in a particularly good place myself then, even though I didn't realise it at the time. Right. Um, and I was 
quite insistent I was going home. I was going to stay at home. Not necessarily physically in that house, but in that area. I didn't want to be um, away anymore. I was with a different partner at the time. Um, and I think I was probably far too wrapped up in the idea that we needed to spend most of our time together. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, you yeah. know. 16, 17, 18, a bit silly, really. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I did quite a lot of my growing up after RNC. Um, right. Which is unfortunate because I think probably wasted quite a few opportunities while I was there. But hindsight, it's a unpleasant thing, really. Um, but Certainly. yeah, so I, I decided to go home. Okay. Um, and essentially got stuck there. Really, um, I did my open uni degree, which I loved and partially think it was the right choice because I don't think I would have at that time been very happy in a residential setting. Uh Um, But again, hindsight makes me wish I'd done, um, you know, gone to a regular university and done a degree that might have been a bit more geared towards a straight career rather than my health and social care, which is very open. It's great. I got a two one. I was very happy with it, but it's not led me anywhere. Hmm. Potentially partially because of my eye condition. It does pose barriers in finding work, like you said. Um, but also with it being just such an open area, if I'd have picked something, you know, like I've got a friend who's doing an occupational therapy degree because she's going to qualify and be an occupational therapist. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So if I'd have picked a career focused degree, possibly I'd be in a better situation now, but hindsight. So yeah, that the long way round that is why I ended up stuck in Southampton and why I went home. Right. That's fair enough. But, and I'm guessing because again it hasn't been long you're sort of still in the process of needing more mobility lessons when it comes to familiarising yourself with the area you're in now in Blythe yeah unfortunately I don't know the area at all Um, when I was in Southampton I was on the guide dogs waiting list Um, Mm -hmm. so at home they obviously assumed I was independently mobile enough to warrant a dog which was great um but up here obviously i can't get further than the driveway so having a dog is out of the question at the moment um which after a long time of trying to get one and a lot of um harness walks and things i know that a dog is my preferred uh, mobility aid so using a cane I will do it, um, but I don't feel very confident or comfortable using one. I know how to use it fine. I can use it fine. I've been told I'm more than safe and competent, um, but I just don't like it. Sure. I know a few people that feel the same, um, but I am, yeah, I'm having, uh, I don't know what they're called nowadays, um, but basically mobility lessons to learn routes. To places I might be interested in up here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's being delivered through guide dogs with the plan that I'll be, once I've got enough that they're happy, um, I'll be activated on the waiting list again and they'll be looking for a suitable dog, hopefully. 
Yeah, hopefully. I'm assuming the local guide dog centre to you is in Newcastle? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, a little way away, but they're, as far as I know, they're quite a big team, mm. um, staff-wise, rather than area-wise. Sure. That's good to know. So when it comes to, I guess, getting supplies and stuff, are you being helped out by Kieran's family for the time being? Um, yes, but mostly online shopping. Um, of we've course. been using Sainsbury's. Sure. Um, because their app's very accessible voiceover-wise. Okay. Um, their delivery stuff have been lovely, always carrying everything in for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did use Iceland the other week just because I like some of their stuff. Sure. Um, having the Greg's range on uh, home delivery order is definitely a plus. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, generally um, we've been doing it ourselves and then Kieran's mum always asks if we need anything and she'll take us anywhere we need to go. I mean, that's... I mean, it's good to hear that you're managing fun with the online shopping and stuff because I'm it and uh, nice to hear that uh, Sainsbury's app is pretty accessible because mm. I admit I'm where I'm living right now it's sh- shops like Sainsbury's Lidl Iceland are all pr- pretty close yeah. sorry it's fine <laughs> was that an alarm or oh, phone yeah, call phone it's fine you sure Someone being very rude and interrupting. It's alright. Can edit around this. Yeah, yeah, no, carry. Um, so I just get my um, mind's back. What we were talking about. (laughs) Uh, Independent living shopping. Yes, yes, shopping. Yeah. Um, but around me, there's shops like Sainsbury's, Lidl, Iceland. So. Yeah, Yeah, I have to say I do miss. having the option of places like Lidl and Audi, obviously more budget supermarkets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd often just go out shopping with my mum or meet a friend and pop into Lidl or whatever and just pick up, you know, the old thing. Um, and I do miss being able to do that, I think. But I guess that will come with time if I could learn where a Lidl is up here. I guess I could, you know, walk there and possibly ask um, for assistance in the shop. Yes. But, I mean, you get over it. It's just... It was a convenience when I had it. Certainly. So, I see we're talking about your blindness again, and which is obviously always good to talk about different experiences. But one thing we were chatting about before recording today is that you also I guess have what would be I don't know would people I guess it wouldn't be a hidden disability it'd be a mental disability wouldn't it well uh, um, I didn't realise myself but it's classed as a hidden disability it's classed as so hidden okay well I wondered it's, that it's also a mental disability yeah so, so well yeah I guess office. yeah I guess it makes <laughs> sense that it would be both wouldn't it uh, mm. but yeah um, and that being epilepsy yep and yeah, we didn't chat about it too much I think, uh, in your previous episode. Uh, 
so I mean I guess the floor is yours when it comes to like if you want to talk about how you discovered you had epilepsy what if you know what form it is yeah like so um oh just kind of try and briefly take you through what happened mm-hmm. um so around 2017 time um I think it was more the end of the year from what I can remember because it could have been a lot longer but that's just thinking back um, when I could pinpoint it to because um, I remember my brother uh, was about to have his first child so it was quite a time of remembering when things were happening mm-hmm. um, I started having these strange feelings so um, it's kind of for me anyway, how it how it felt um, was a bit like a deja vu feeling. And at the same time, you sort of feel a bit dizzy. It's hard to describe. It's not really dizzy, but you feel a bit kind of lightheaded, I guess. Um, and right. sick at the same time, like you're going to really throw up quite violently. So all in one go, mm. um, all of those feelings. And it normally, for me, lasted... Well, to begin with, it was only a couple of seconds. Um, and for really a silly amount of time, I just thought, God, I'm, you know, I'm just being a bit weird. What's this all about? Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't really pay any attention at all until it started getting a lot worse. Um, so I think at that time, I was only having them every now and then. And I just thought, hmm, the train. Um, and then towards the end of 2019 and then into 2020 um they were getting more regular um so they started being sort of once every couple of days and then by the time we decided actually we should probably look into this i was having them twice a day probably every day um and for how long each roughly would you say? Oh, uh, the the little episode. So, yeah. um, maximum probably ten to twenty seconds. They didn't. They don't last long. Okay. Um, just because of the nature of what they are. Um, I'll explain that in a sec. Sure. Um. So, and the weird thing about them is the deja vu feeling. Um, they often do happen in the same place when a similar thing's happening. So. A really odd one for me at the time I had guinea pigs mm-hmm. um, and when I'd go to clean their cage out a certain part of it I'd get one okay so in my head I would think oh it's just a weird you know you do get little deja vu feelings most people get them um, but it started to get worse and I was having them when I was eating so it was like I was nearly choking um, so we went to the doctors and they referred me on to the neurology team mm-hmm. um, Southampton General Hospital, I have a lot of them to thank for, really, now. Um, This was February 2020. Um, Well, we all know what happened in March 2020, so everything was slowed down because of lockdown. But just beforehand, um, I think it was about a week before lockdown, I'd seen the neuro... uh, Neurologist? Yeah, consultant. That was the word. Consultant. Yeah, consultant, okay. okay. <laughs> Worse. Um, it's all right. And they, because of the way my GP had put it across, um, and also my dad 
has epilepsy, they were going to do all sorts of uh, tests to find out what was going on. Um, right. If you generally, if you experience anything like that, you will be referred to the neuro team just because it's feelings in your head. You, yeah. you, do, you think you're thinking it. So, um, and they did uh, lots of different tests. So. We're going to say the wrong ones because I'm not very good at these sorts of things. But I know, or I'm quite sure, the EEG were the biggest ones. Right. Um, and anyone listening can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm quite sure they're the ones where you have electrodes stuck around your head. Um, they're stuck on this really horrible putty glue stuff. Uh, and it just measures the activity in your brain. So they flash lights at me. They. It just did all sorts um, to sure. try and see if it would trigger anything. Um, and I'm told now, because unfortunately one of the uh, sort of side effects of the medication that I take is that my short-term memory is a bit hazy sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so throughout that period, uh, between about March and when I got diagnosed, which I'll quickly get onto in a sec, um, I don't have much memory of the procedure of things that have happened. So this is all what I've been, the bits that I can remember and what I've been told. Um, but ironically, the EEG flashed up that when I was shown flashing lights, uh, something was triggered in my brain, which considering I'm totally blind and have been for a long time, we found it quite funny. Yeah. Uh, that it was flashing lights that was partially triggering it. Um, is that resolved to, just to clarify, you generally totally blind or have you or do you like have some light perception no as far as we're aware there's nothing right okay. um but somewhere somehow my eyes must have been reacting to them which yeah in some way was connected to my brain i don't know we never went into it we all just found it quite funny um oh, it's definitely quite <laughs> amusing and really bemusing as well because it is just yeah. like yeah, you wouldn't yeah, think for a blind person that shouldn't be the thing. Yeah, because it, again, um, it would it would make sense if you had light perception, but yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I think I did touch on it, and I'll try and go over it quickly now. But when I lost my sight because it happened gradually, yeah, for quite a long time, it still and sometimes it still does. It seems like I can still see things. Sure. Um, but I think it's more sound shadows, and I've just adapted, and because my brain remembers what looking sounds like kind of like, yeah sounds strange but my brain pictures things yeah it makes sense i think really um yeah. but because of that flashing light thing they then did a brain scan so I had fun in the mri tunnel mm -hmm. um, it's very nice they gave me a cheer on headphones can't be bad um and they found that i think it's the right hand frontal lobe of my brain as an abnormality. Um, being told you have to have one of the MRI scans is quite scary because the two things that they were looking out for was either epilepsy or brain tumour. So, right. you know. I feel like most people would prefer one over the other there. Yes. Um, and touch wood, I have always been quite healthy. So the idea of them saying in the middle of a global pandemic that I'm could have a brain tumor it was quite scary but i wasn't yeah the timing wouldn't see be, anyone yeah the timing's not great is it <laughs> if you were to get someone like that yeah and for anyone yeah 
And yeah, I guess um, thoughts to anyone who did have that to deal with. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I, I will say in a minute that I was very lucky. Um, yeah. What happened for me, to be fair, not lucky in the overall sense, but now I feel quite lucky about it. Yeah, um, know what you mean. So they did the brain scan, I think it was the beginning of June. By this point, um, what triggered them to do the brain scan is I was having full-on seizures. Um, and these are the stereotypical, most people think of epilepsy, they see the person rolling around on the floor, uh-huh. dribbling and convulsing and yeah. making rather nasty sounds. Um, their official name is a tonic clonic seizure. And they're the ones that if you start having them, people will panic. Uh-huh. Um, professionals and your family uh, and everyone, because they're not very nice. And if you start having them, there is something wrong. Right. Um, and my mum managing to catch one of them on video and the brain scan then led to them diagnosing me with um, focal epilepsy, which is because of that abnormality um, on the right hand front lobe, I say, yeah. So, my brain. so you have had, sorry, you've had one of the, I guess, what would be the stereotypical full-on seizure? You've had one, or well, that's what you. Uh, I had, I had several. I've had several, but okay. When I started having them, that's when they then not took it more seriously, um, but were able to get more say, of an idea. Oh, yeah, this is what we think it is because the strange feelings are seizures. Um, so now that they they diagnosed it, I know that they're called focal seizures. Right. Um, sometimes known as partial seizures and they can uh, affect people not just with epilepsy um fnd uh i don't know the full name of that condition but it's a condition called fnd people with that have uh partial seizures as well and there's a couple of other conditions um okay but the tonic clonic seizures are the big stereotypical epilepsy ones um and that's what then made the doctors realize because I started having them. It was strange because it was as the doctors were starting to look into what was going on that I started to have big ones properly. Um, And yeah, so I started to have them every day, every other day. Um, I think once or twice had them a couple of couple of days, a couple of times a day. And they last a few minutes if they last anything over five minutes and this is a safety tip for anyone if you ever see anyone having a seizure that lasts over five minutes you need to call a doctor and put the person in their recovery position don't do anything else don't put your hands anywhere near their mouth because they're not in control of themselves Mm. Um, and unfortunately one of the things that can happen um, during a seizure is incontinence so if you do see someone out and unfortunately they've uh, wet themselves or otherwise, please put your coat over them or something over that area just to save their dignity. Because um, it's a pretty lousy way to wake up anyway um, and be told. Certainly. Because um, I don't have any memory of seizures. So I feel quite lucky because a lot of people are um, partially awake when they have them um Inter- really? but i'm not i have to be i have to be told that i've had one 
So, um, so to clarify, sorry, when you were initially having all those feelings of yeah of nausea, of nausea, those that was you having a seizure. Yeah, they are partial seizures, so they're small seizures. Um, so, in your case, is it the? Again, it seems weird to say as you're totally blind, but it is lights that set it off. Well, no, now. Right. <laughs> Apparently, that day was just at that partic- that particular time when they did the testing. Okay. That time, it was a flashing light that set it off. I didn't actually have a seizure, but they just react, um, recorded some odd activity. Mm-hmm. Um, we've never actually found out why I started having seizures or, you know, if that abnormality in my brain became one or if it's always been there and just something triggered it um but i over a period of three months and it's strange um again how lucky i was i was having several focal seizures a day and then several tonic tonic seizures a week um until they made the diagnosis in june so first went to the doctors in february diagnosed in june um, and then they put me on um, pre- uh, preventative medication, so it's supposed to uh, reduce your seizures. Um, obviously, as I'm a female of childbearing age, as they put it, they have to see if they can give you medication so that if you were pregnant or did plan to have children, it wouldn't affect uh, your children because a lot of epilepsy medication does sadly okay um and yeah i was put on this medication and about i think about a month into it no three uh, three months after i started taking the medication i was completely seizure free and have been since so that's the focal seizures and the tonic clonic ones. Okay. Well that's good to say how long so what you've been on that medication for a... uh since I've been on the medication since uh June twenty twenty and seizure free since September twenty twenty. So I had six months of seizures and then of of the big ones. Uh, and I'm guessing is that you have to take it once a day, the medication? Uh, twice a day, once at night and once in the morning. Okay. And they can adjust the dose if you start having problems again. And I guess, so the, but in your case, the dose was never needed to be adjusted? Uh, at the beginning, it was a bit lower than it is now, but they only had to adjust it twice and then it was sorted. Right. No, I'm very lucky because a lot of people go through several different types of the medication. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it seems overall you were pretty fortunate. Um, Yes, definitely. And and I never had, despite the amount of the big seizures I had, I never had any serious injuries. Um, Several bruises. I had one where I quite comically fell over the side of the bath while I was having a shower, took the shower curtain and everything with me, so that was fun. 
Um, wow. Woke up on the bathroom floor about 10 minutes later going, hmm, okay. <laughs> um, and the more scarier one for the, my family was when I, it, the seizure went on too long um, and mum had to call an ambulance. And I uh, ended up in hospital, woke up a few hours later, laying on this nice bed thinking, hmm, this doesn't seem like my bed. Where's my mum sat next to me? Hmm. Had another one of them, have I? <laughs> Yeah, no, I can imagine it's quite disorientating. Uh, it's very strange, especially for me when I first wake up most of the time. I ask very strange questions and I do very strange things. Um, my sister's favourite story is the time that I rolled off my bed during a seizure, woke up and was cuddling my shoe, convinced that I had to hang on to my shoe <laughs> until enough. I was awake enough to know that I'd had a seizure and left the shoe alone. I mean, I could imagine uh, it would have been a funny visual. Yes. Yeah. Afterwards, of course, it's, uh, the funny thing is at the time it was scarier for everyone else than it was for me. Yes. Softened the case, I feel like. Yeah. With uh... I, I find it scarier now because I don't remember much of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sure. It just seems... So obviously you're diagnosed in... Twenty, yeah, in twenty twenty, yeah, right. And when did you say it started? Was it like twenty seventeen? Like you, you start getting the feelings, feelings yeah. 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 Just, have have they ever sort of gone into the explanation to you of like why it was it sort of developed? Why you never no, had no, any problem we before? literally have no idea. No, and we have also, like I say, my strangest thing is that as I was getting in contact with professionals about it, that's when the proper, I say proper, that's the wrong word, that's when the full-on seizures happened. Mm. Yeah. It, it's a really strange, it's obviously just coincidental, but it was very odd that that's how it happened. Yeah, it's, like you said, I mean, it's very very handy for you in comparison to again many other people I'm sure that the sort of the timing of everything yeah yeah and again this isn't me obviously trying to uh undermine the uh st- sort of stressing scenarios you would have gone oh, through no. uh you know with uh, like you said like waking up in different situations I can very much, I mean, I can only imagine what it would be like just waking up on the bathroom floor after being in the shower. It was very strange. Yes. And and... the only concern I had was whether I'd rinsed my hair, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and had you? Apparently I had, so it was good. There you go. All's well that ends well. (laughs) Apparently so. Yeah. But that's also because, to be honest, you're very fortunate that you wouldn't have had much more injuries because I'm just thinking for example like the way the bathroom hearsay is um, at my flat is laid out like you could like I feel like if you fell and like properly went horizontal over the edge of the bath you would knock your head against the wall 
Yep, the strange thing about our bathroom is, so I did literally, if you imagine tilting sideways over the side of the bath, that's what I did. Yeah. And as you do that, from where I was stood, there is a corner of a wall that that sticks out there. Mm-hmm. So how I did not hit my head or anything on it, I just didn't. The only thing I had was a bruise down the side of my leg where I went over the side of the bath. Yeah. That was literally it. So how how I didn't injure myself more, I don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. I think, I think again, very... I feel like it's the word of the day, but uh, the word of the episode fortunate. for you, but fortunate, yeah, yes. certainly with that, because yeah, or even then, I'm thinking of say the bathroom at my family's house. If you fell out of the bath, you'd very likely like chin yourself on the sink. Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's strange. I, I was very um, lucky. I mean, after that, I wasn't allowed to shower uh, <laughs> without someone in the room, which I'm very fortunate. I have a sister because makes it much less embarrassing. Sure. Um, and I'm not allowed baths ever um, because, of course, despite being seizure-free, if you have a bath, you're sat on your own in a, you know, in a bath, and you. You have a seizure, you will go under the water. Are you? Yeah. Um, Are you all right to shower now um, on your own? Or is, uh, is that still? I've never, I've never actually checked, but okay. because I've been seizure free so long, um, and obviously now it's just me and Kieran, it'd be an inconvenience to have him in the bathroom all the time. But the door, I'm not allowed to lock the door, and if he heard a massive thud, <laughs> he'd know to come and check. Um, Certainly. But, you know, you have to monitor it for yourself. Obviously, if I was still having seizures all the time, then it would be a different story. Certainly, yeah. Because if it is... Because that's the thing, isn't it? I think we're just sort of pointing out, like, not poking fun at it here, generally just pointing out how much more serious it could have been and, as a result, is for anyone who has epilepsy, I guess. Yeah, Um, and just lots of little things that you have to adapt to doing. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like I said, not locking the door when you go to the toilet or have a bath. Well, not can't have a bath, have a shower. Um, Yeah, because for so many people, they'll just automatically lock a door in that situation, isn't it? Because obviously privacy and all that. Like even in public, I do because just the idea of it, you just do, don't you? You just lock the door. But obviously, if I was in trouble, then... That causes a big barrier. Um, obviously, to add the epilepsy to my eye condition, I'm sure there's... I know several people that do have epilepsy and sight loss issues. Um, it adds another problem. Um, obviously, at the time when I was having seizures, there's no way I'd go out independently. Um, just because it's... You know, as a blind person, you've got to take care as it is. Mm. Um add to that the fact that I could have a seizure at any time I didn't have any warning triggers either um, so they never although they said on that EEG there was a light that triggered that bit of my brain sure. that's never happened since so I can sit in front of strobe lights and nothing's happened I wouldn't risk it you know of course I wouldn't it do it intentionally would be a weird experiment from you if you were to do that yes <laughs> just there um, like I just I don't know mm. I've now got a weird image of you and having like Kieran there with like a set of strobe lights it's <laughs> just, just there like, right Kieran lights. switch them on now just um, 
my pillow behind me just in case. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I've, I and I don't have any uh, with what I meant by trigger warnings as well. That is, some people know when it's going to happen. They get a feeling or. Yeah, no numbness isn't that one. I think. Yeah, I think so. But I don't have anything. Right. So it will happen, and then I will wake up and have to be told. Or yeah. you know, by now I'd realise that's what happened. Sure. Um. So yeah, going out independently was a no, just a no, and my confidence, as I mentioned, whoever came isn't great anyway. So there was no way I was gonna dare to do that. Um, cooking, when I was having seizures, I wouldn't go near anything hot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of my long-lasting uh, effects, it seems to be, of, of the epilepsy is my right hand. If I hold it still, it trembles. Right. Um, so for things like pouring a kettle, yeah, uh, it can make it quite an interesting experience. Um, and sure. My sister finds it very funny when I'm holding a drink because it just gently shudders in my hand. <laughs> All right. Well, and what about as far as like applying for a guide dog? Is is it yeah. something that has is is it one of the it things that put another yeah. yeah another spanner in the work? I guess. Yeah, I mean, last time I don't know how much I went into my guide dog story. It's quite complicated, so I'm not going to go there. But at the time of diagnosis, I was on the waiting list in Southampton. I had been for 18 months by that point mm-hmm. um, and as soon as I told them they immediately suspended me on the list so if anyone not familiar with that that's when they literally they don't take you off so you have to reapply they take you off almost basically pressing a pause button they won't be looking for you sure yeah. my dog um, which is again what I am at the moment till I've learned the roots as I was saying yeah um, and they uh, reacted in the sense of saying, well, we're not sure if you're going to be suitable anymore, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I know many people that have epilepsy and visual impairment, obviously, that have a guide dog, no problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and they started saying that I would need a dual alert dog, uh, not a dual alert dog, a dual trained dog that alerts mm-hmm. to seizures, yeah. which again, I know isn't true because um, most people that I know of that have epilepsy and a guide dog just have it as a guide dog. Yeah. Um, so it got quite complicated, but basically because I was seizure free, basically by the time that they were reconsidering my situation, um, and I'd built up my confidence with my cane again, they were happy to put me back on the list after doing another assessment. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, but yes they were I don't know the way to put it really I suppose they were cautious on their their end which was fair Um, but yeah I was quite surprised with how they dealt with it to be fair no that's fair really I mean it makes sense in some ways the idea of having a a dual trained dog yeah, However, it does for people that are regularly having seizures. It totally makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's the thing in your case. And I suppose that's why really the longer you go without having a seizure, I guess the better it is in multiple yeah, ways. In, um, in, yeah. 
with the making things simpler when it comes to getting a guide dog, I guess, being one of oh, them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, uh, as far as your situation when it came to when it comes to applying for a guide dog and all that history, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we do go more into details <laughs> yes. with it in the previous episode. So again, yeah. for anyone, think, please go back and check that. Everybody's the experience with guide dogs is different, isn't it? So. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, well, I think we've come to a decent place to wrap up page unless you, if you had more to that you wanted to uh, bring up when it comes to the topic of ep- epilepsy um the only couple of things is one of my main uh points that's always stuck with me about the flashing lights thing is mm-hmm. everybody sort of one of the biggest misconceptions i think everybody if not a lot of people have about epilepsy is that it's only caused by flashing lights. Yes. Um, because uh, I think a lot of people, you've seen or heard the warning at the beginning of a lot of uh, films that have strobe lighting and flashing light scenes. Yeah. There is the warning that if you have epilepsy, please be careful, you shouldn't watch this. There is other things that cause epilepsy and that can trigger seizures. Um, yes. Again, like I said, if you ever see someone having a seizure or you know someone you know that started having seizures then the rule is if it lasts over five minutes you call an ambulance doesn't matter if they wake up straight on five minutes you call an ambulance um you always put them in the recovery position and like i said if if incontinence has been an issue try to uh protect their dignity because it can feel pretty rubbish after a seizure anyway with or without that um mm-hmm. yeah. and afterwards just explain to them calmly what's happened um because yes. some people i know some people do come around fine um they know straight away what's happened they know straight away what, where they are and they can carry on um others are very confused and it can be quite upsetting um understandably and just to you know bear in mind that it's not just having a seizure. It's also all the other things you have to do. You know, like for me, I have to have reminders. That I need to take my tablets twice a day because my short-term memory is a little bit fuzzy. Sometimes I will think I've taken them or I'll go to take them, get distracted, do something else and then not take them. Right. And then that can lead, lead you know, obviously to an imbalance, which could lead to a seizure. I've been very lucky it hasn't. Yeah, sure. Um, and just some of the after effects as well of seizures, you know. Um, a lot of people, it will take you a couple of days to get over one. You have to sleep for a long time and just get back to feeling okay. Um, and just going back to the flashing lights being a trigger, um, the main trigger for epilepsy actually is stress. Mm-hmm. Um so because of mine, I don't know what triggered it in the first place or if I had a seizure now, I wouldn't know what triggered it. Um, but the most common ones are stress and I didn't realize, but sleep can be um, a problem. So if you have irregular sleep, 
um, when you're diagnosed with epilepsy that can cause seizures and being unwell. So it's, it's you know, there's a lot more to it than I think the general stereotypes as with any condition. Yeah, I think it's often the case, isn't there? There's more to it. Yeah, definitely. Because even, uh, which again, I guess, <laughs> sort of the basis of me doing this podcast in general is there's more to a lot of disabilities than some people think. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And they affect people in a lot of different ways. Like, exactly. like I say, I've been very lucky. Yes. Um, and going back to my dad, he's very lucky. He's not had a seizure in 30 years. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, always take it at face value of how the person tells you it is rather than assume you know you're right. <laughs> well, yeah, then I think you could, yeah, that attitude is applicable in pretty much every scenario. Yes, true. Whether regarding disability with, or not. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes even more so with disability, though. Certainly. Only that person knows how it's affecting them. Yes, exactly. But uh, f thanks again for uh, rejoining me, Paige. It's okay. And uh, thank you to those of you for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Well, that was a very informative chat. Hopefully you found it educational and somewhat entertaining. You can follow me on Twitter at the blind Brennan. Send an email to theblindbrennan at gmail.com or join the Facebook group, Listen With Your Eyes. If you can like, share and rate the podcast, that would be very much appreciated. You've been listening with your eyes and you'll hear us again next time. Thank you.